Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Escape the ordinary with green and blacks. Wildly. Deliciously organic. Sponsor of The Moments That Made Me, the weekend podcast. A rich, intense chocolate to savour. Hello and welcome to The Moments That Made Me. The podcast that asks people about the key moments, good or bad, personal or professional, that shaped their lives. The moments that made them. This week, Esther McCarthy chats to TV and radio presenter Mairead Ronan. She talks candidly about the loss of her mum, plus she shares her New Year's resolutions with us. Enjoy. Our guest today is Mairead Ronan. We're delighted to have her here with us to chat through some of the important moments in her life so far. You might know her from the radio. Every weekday at noon, Mairead brings us two hours of great music, fun competitions, listener chats, and her own inimitable take on the stories of the day. That's our favourite part of the Today FM programme here anyway. We love it. You might also know her from the television. She is, of course, the host of Ireland's Fittest Family, and that's on our screens on January 3rd, RT1. She's a regular on numerous shows like The Panel, Celebrity Banished Door, Republic of Telly, and of course, she held up the winning trophy last year on Dancing with the Stars, where she won everyone over and such graft and hard work went into that show. And we loved seeing her on our screens. She also did a RT programme on post-pregnancy body issues. She was a presenter on a movie show on RT2. She did a travel show called Getaways. And just when you think there's nothing else that she could be fitting into her, her busy schedule, in 2016, she became an entrepreneur and went into partnership with Debbie Lawless and launched Faro. That's a hairstyling equipment brand where they designed all the products themselves. Maureen also has three children. Her son, Dara, is from her first marriage and she has two daughters, Eliza and Bonnie, with her husband, Louis Ronan. Here we get to chat to her about some of the key moments in her life. So, Maureen Ronan, we're talking about the moments that made me and you have picked out four from your very um, interesting and exciting life so far. And the first one is, was really interesting to me because I think anyone who's worked with you or known you or know you from TV or personally would say that you're a grafter. And that started earlier on in your life, did it? It did. Um, so like the work ethic thing would definitely come from my parents. And I always saw my parents, Robert and Maureen, working hard. And I always thought, you know, my mom 
was probably one of the few mums that worked when I was growing up and she loved working. Like I always saw that work made my mom happy. Like she would come in buzzing after she'd been working and and she would always leave looking beautiful and immaculate going out to work. Um, she never worked full time, but she did work a lot. So some weeks she would work three days, some weeks she'd work four days, some weeks she'd work two days. So it just depended. Um, so I always knew that like work was something that was important to my family, but it was also a social thing in my family. And I was offered a job about 11 or 12. <laughs> I sound like I'm from like I'm at Dickens times or something. I'm really young. <laughs> The soot on your face going into Dublin. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so it was collecting the milk money in Finglas and in Hoth because the local the local milkman had the milk round in a bit of Finglas, but he had a huge milk round in Sutton, a very nice part of Dublin, Sutton and Hoth. And um, so I would do that every Thursday and Friday evening. Um, so come home from school, do my homework and then wrap up because even in the summer, it would yeah. still be kind of chilly at eight at night and collect yeah. the, the milk money and get get paid and got paid on a Friday and also got a bag of chipper chips. So two things from that. I loved having my own money from a young age and I also developed a love of chips. And so that, <laughs> <laughs> so that is kind of a, a moment that made me because um, it's... Uh, it, it was always fun, like work was fun. And at the end, I always felt that lovely reward, you know, and... And you were 11, Marie, Adria. Between 11 and 12. But then after that, so like I would have done that for a few years. And then I also would have uh, worked in Arnott's. So I worked there as soon as I turned 16, I would have got a job job, like a tax paying job. You know, a, a PRSI job. Damn it. Damn. <laughs> you had to give your money away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, but that was so much fun and I loved that. And it kind of, in a way, I was replicating what my mom had done. I loved getting ready and making sure my skirt and my blouse was really clean going in there. And I worked every Saturday and every Thursday night uh, in Arnott's from 16 up until I start like my actual career. So work work has always been a big part of my life it's been something that is important to is very much important and and right now at the age I'm at looking back I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing so I'm not saying it's wonderful like there was a big focus put on work and you've got to work and you've got to work hard and work is really important and I I'm not sure at the age of 40 if I'm arriving at the point of going is it is it is it that important? <laughs> you know, but it That's really, really was to yeah. my parents. So um, I would have always worked really, really hard. And Maureen, what did your mom and your dad work at? Um, so my mom worked in catering. She worked for a catering company. So she, it's bizarre, she worked in Clontarf Castle and I'm looking out a window now and I can practically see the castle from my window. So um, wow. I've only moved here a year ago. So I've moved to a place that's, probably a 60 second walk from where my mum was very happy which is lovely because I get to walk and drive by it every day yeah walk and drive by it every day and but she worked for a catering company so she she would be called for anything from a massive big function in the RDS to a big funeral in a hotel that might have 100 people at it and my mum would be called in to help with catering so it was a a catering company that she was always on call unless she was working in Clontarf Mm. Castle so 
Uh, but she she loved him. She worked with a great bunch of women and uh, they were all her pals. And then my dad spent the majority of his career working for Smurfit in printing. And he was a production yeah. manager in Smurfit. And then um, he ended up in like a, a kind of a steel a steel plant. So factories and managing factories mm. was, was what he did. So and my dad absolutely adored work. Like he still loves work. Mm. And if you're ever in his company and you'd say, oh, I'm so tired. I've been so busy. My dad would be like, I'm so envious of you. Like, I wish I was working. And he's 82 years of age, so. But you had two older sisters, is that right? When you were Yeah, you much were older, third. as I like to call them. My much older <laughs> yeah, sisters, because yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a big age gap. Yeah, and it sounds like it was a typical, um, you know, middle class upbringing with strong work ethic. But what happened in your late teens with, with your mom getting sick wasn't really that typical. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so like it's a strange one because mom was um mom raised us very differently. So she raised Simone and Olga. Uh, she would have been stricter with them. She would have been tougher with them. And I came along like ten years after you know her last baby. So she had a twelve year old, a ten year old, and then discovered she was pregnant. Surprise! You know, <laughs> here is Maureen. Here I am. <laughs> so I suppose. You know, knowing what I know now, mom totally, she parented me in a different way and she would have taken more time out with me and uh, she would have been softer on me. And, you know, when I went through phases, she, you know, phases of wearing nothing but sports clothes and Dublin jerseys or Man United jerseys and Chicago Bulls baseball caps, which like were not the scene in my house because it was very much dresses and nice shoes um my mom was totally on for the face and she would buy me the Chicago Bulls uh, baseball cap and she would buy me the awful horrible Man United jersey because she realized it was just that it was a phase and she was like quite often it was always like leave Maraid alone she'll be okay whereas I think had my sisters gone through a phase like that she would have just said absolutely you are not wearing that football jersey to mass you're not doing it you know you'll wear your dress to mass you'll wear your nice shoes so she let me be me all the time and um and she recognized that too like she knew she was like that to me so she was almost like a sister to me and my older sisters would have been tougher on me parent wise and school wise like my sister would have been on my case you know in first and second year in school going you are not knuckling down you are not taking this whole junior sir thing very serious and I was like rolling my eyes going mom's happy so it's kind of it's kind of none of your business so my mom treated me um uh, she obviously did she was my mom and she was my parent but she kind of we had this lovely friendship even through my teenage years and I'm so grateful that was the case having lost her at the age I lost her at because if we'd had that very typical very normal mother-daughter uh, teenage year relationship that a lot of my friends would have had I would have lost my mom possibly at 14 or 15 in a way you know I know. Yeah. And and you were it was just before your 21st birthday. Is that right? When she passed away? Marie? Yeah, it was it was the night before. Mom died the night before I turned 21. Um, so yeah. it was, yeah, it was it was awful. Um, but I, I, I have mentioned this before and I don't mm. like I don't feel guilty for saying this. I think anybody who was in a similar situation would know what I'm talking about. I was willing mom to die in those weeks because she was so sick. And yeah. I didn't want her to last any longer than she did. So in those, like, although mom died the night before my 21st birthday and it was awful and it was terrible, 
it was a relief for me because I loved her so much because I didn't want her to suffer any longer. Like I didn't want her to stay till June. I didn't want her to stay till July. I only wanted her that way if there was some massive miracle, which I knew wasn't going to happen. So it's a strange feeling to be willing someone you adore to pass away. And I have a friend in Cork, um, Tina. Uh, She's just lost her mum very recently. And that was the conversation we were having. You know, Mm. she was, uh, you know, she was just saying, and and it's not, I hope, I hope she goes soon, but it's like, this is very hard for her and I, I can't bear this anymore. And I want her to be pain free and I want her to be out of this awfulness that she's in. Um, and it, and that's exactly what it is. So there's that initial relief after you lose somebody you love that much to cancer or to any illness. And then it's probably a year or two later where you feel mm. the other emotions that come along with that. And that is you feel robbed. You feel a bit angry. You feel fairly pissed off when you see any girl out with her mom on a shopping trip or going on a spa day or checking into a hotel together for a girly weekend. Um, and But that eventually leaves too, you know. Those feelings have left me now too because I suppose they have to, you know. I don't feel envious looking at other people with their mum now. I kind of feel I'm very happy for them. Okay. And do you think that becoming a mum yourself helped with that process and getting onto the next state? Because it's always a grief, isn't it, losing a parent? But it, it's a different... It is. It's an, it is an awful amount of, it's an awful amount of confusion, I think, around it. Mm. Because one, it's the natural order of how things are supposed to happen anyway. You know, the parent is supposed to go before you. Um, there's never a right time. So, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you today as a 40 year old mum of three, absolutely mm. not ready for my dad to go anywhere. You know what I mean? Huh. But I've lost my mom 19 years ago. So yeah. it doesn't matter at what age you are, it's always tough. It's tough when you're young for different reasons. It's tough when you're the age I am now for other reasons. It's 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 always it's always a difficult thing, but it is the natural it is the natural order of how things are supposed to happen. But for me, when I became a mum, I was young in that I had just turned twenty seven a couple of days beforehand, and I was young in that I was the first in all my friends. I know twenty seven is not young. Uh, the people listen to this podcast come that's not young at all but in my group of friends in my circle I you know I was 26 all through the pregnancy Dara was born like a handful of days after my 27th birthday and um, I really really started mourning the loss of my own mother then and I would say in the months after he was born because I had never, I have really never realised how much my mom had loved me. And that sounds really naff, but of course I knew I was loved. But it's only when I, Dara, that I realised, oh my God, my mom had this love for me. And I really didn't know about it. And I wish she was here now so I could tell her, God, mom, I have that same feeling now. And it's funny, I like I say to my children, I love you way more than you love me. And they're like, no, no, we love each other the same. And I'm like, no, we don't love each other the same. I love you way more than you love me. And like, it's kind of a joke, you know, but it's I, I, I really felt uh, robbed that year more than any year was the year I became a mum. And it was five years after mom had died, you know, so it was, you know, it was uh, it kind of hit me that year more than any other year. 
And I suppose it's that time when you really need your mom, when you want to ask about the, the late nights or the breastfeeding or, you know, is he, should he be lying on his tummy or his back? Like that only your mom, like that's a very special kind of relationship that, and to have, I suppose, the granny in, in your kid's life as well, you know, that you feel like they're missing out a bit maybe with, with yeah, not getting to meet her. I get that she always wanted a boy and she was very vocal about that, which is hilarious because she had three <laughs> girls, you know, it was really funny. She was like, oh, I would have loved a son. And we're all staring at her going, you know, that's so Hello. rude. But um, the <laughs> fact that are. my sisters only have girls and then I had this boy who looked quite like my mom and has blue eyes and blonde hair. And I just feel it's probably a strange universal blessing because she would have ruined him. So um, she can she's watching him from afar. But I honestly think if she was alive, he she would have destroyed him with the amount of spoiling she would have done. So, um, yeah, he gets to hear the really stories about her. Um, but, I, you know, with with. With regards to the giving advice and the the tummy time and the breastfeeding, like, I don't know if actually grannies remember because I forgot myself a few years. To, I think with motherhood, you forget. On each child, I've forgotten what I was doing, what I had done the last time. So it's like each child has been a brand new experience. So I don't think my mother would have been much help there in other than physical support of like, you go lie down, I'll mind the baby, I'll take the baby out for a walk, you do this. So it's because I, I honestly am not sure anybody can remember after two years. It's just gone. It's just, it vanishes from your head. That's actually true. I never realised that. You do forget. It's a design. You're, it's supposed to, you're supposed to forget so you go again. That's what happens. Yeah, yeah tricks you god damn it tricks you and you mentioned her um you know maybe watching from far do you have a concept of spiritual idea is your mom do you feel her presence do you think you'll meet again you know is there that kind of i do i've called myself this before i'm a cherry picking catholic um i i like to take the good stuff i like to take the stuff that um makes me feel good and I like to go into a church. I like to light a candle. Uh, there's a lot of hymns I like. I love a good choir. And I definitely, I, I like the switching off that goes with that. And I'm, I'm not a mass goer every week. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I do. But we would, we would probably get mass once a month in our house. And uh, I, I like that. I like that switch off. Um Obviously, this year has been very difficult. I probably haven't been to mass probably since March, actually, because I haven't been to mass since all of lockdown. Um, but yeah. I, I, I do, I do believe she's around in some form, and she did say to me, uh, when she knew when she knew she was dying, she said, mm. "I can do more for you up there than I can here," and her saying oh. that, yeah, I've, I have, I have had a very lucky life in so many ways so I do think that she has definitely minded me and guided me and steered me around some potholes um mm. so I do I do believe she is okay. uh, she's around green and blacks wildly deliciously organic a selection of ethically sourced flavors combined with a rich cocoa intensity you mentioned Dara and you're also mom to Eliza and Bonnie 
So Eliza's four and Bonnie is two and Dara is 13. He's 13, yeah. So you've got that kind of gap as well, similar to the way your mom, you know, had her her three kids. Do you feel losing your mom affects how you parent and how you mother? Do you write letters for them when they're older? Do you, you know, take more photos of yourself with them than you would have maybe because you wish you had more of your mom? It's it's strange you say the photos thing. I, I've had this conversation at the weekend with Louis, uh, my husband. There are no photos of me and the children. There are probably nine million photos of the children, but there's no yeah. photos of me and the children. And I don't know. It's like I'm when they grow up, they'll be like I wasn't there, and I'll be like, no, I was the one taking all the photos. I was the one who pressed click there on all of those. Um, I knew my resolution for twenty twenty one is to get into photos with the girls more. Um, yeah. Dara's a teenager. He's you know the last thing on his list right now is getting into a photo with his mom. Uh, <laughs> it's probably like the very last thing on his list right now. Although I know I'm very loved and we have a very special relationship. Um. But uh, that's definitely last on 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 the on the list of things. But the girls, uh, the girls love uh, photos and love you know taking photos. And I'm just not in any of them. I I have a handful of photos. I'm terrible at it. Um, and I'm probably one of those. Like I'm like so many other women who are probably listening to this podcast now. I hate myself in photos, and I know that's ridiculous in the line of work I'm in. Like I work sometimes on the telly. Yes. I hate having my photo taken. So um, I don't have a lot of photos of myself, like even in our home, there is one in all of our house, there is one photo in the living room that I'm in and that's Seriously? it in the entire house. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And would you have photos of yourself and your mom when, when you were little? I do. I do have photos of me and mom, but none of them are framed though, but I do have them. I have them in a yeah, box. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have photos of me and, and uh, mom when I was a kid and uh, up until I'm like there's lovely ones from nights out when I was 19 with her and right her 60th birthday, which was her last birthday. Lovely photos of those. But um, but yeah, very few photos. One photo of me and the, the whole house, I'd say. Yeah. New Year's resolution, Emirate. There you go. I'm going to plaster the walls with photos of myself. There we go. That's what I'll do. <laughs> And your other moment, Maureen, which I thought was um, very fitting, obviously, your first radio job. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was um, it was with Today FM. It's, it's my my only ever radio job has been with Today FM. Um, I was in Ballyfermot College, which I cannot recommend highly enough. It was a brilliant two years there. It was a very practical course in TV production, radio production and writing. Um, and so it was kind of a, you know, get out there into the media world and you can do a little bit of everything. And, but radio was the thing I really wanted to do over the TV production and over the writing. So, um, I, Today FM was a newish station. I think it may have been about three years old and I, I was a, an avid fan of it. And I asked them, could I wrote to them and I said, could, you know, would you take me on for work experience? And they came back with a lovely uh, Today FM headed paper saying, I'm really sorry, but we are full for the entire year of, you know, whatever it was, 20, uh, 2002. And I hadn't wanted to annoy anyone, but I did know a guy who worked in the accounts department there. So I called him up, you know, hadn't spoken to him in, in a million years. And I called him up and I said, hey, you know the way we used to hang out when we were really young? Um, is there any chance you could get me into Today FM just for one week? And I said, when I get in for one week, I'll ask for two weeks because I needed two weeks. 
So he said, look, leave it with me. And then he came, called me back and he said, yeah, you're, you're, you can get in on this date to this date. And it was the day after St. Patrick's Day in 2002. So the 18th of March 2002. I arrived in. I was delighted with life. I was buzzing. I probably didn't have breakfast. I didn't sleep much the night before with excitement. And I was shown to the accounts department. And I've, I'm kind of a quiet person. And I'm kind of like, oh, shit. And I just said, no, this is your moment to speak up. This is your one moment to speak up. And I said, no, I'm sorry if you've brought me to the wrong department. And they said, no, 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 you're down for work experience and accounts. And I said, absolutely no way. I don't do anything with numbers. Good woman. I need to be in the radio station. There's been a huge mistake here. I asked to be in the radio station part, not the accounts office, which is so boring. In fairness, they said, oh, okay, come on down. We bring you downstairs. So the relief. Uh, when I got down and I was uh, immediately brought into uh, the Ray Darcy show, they were getting busier and busier and busier at the time. Uh, there was only th- Ray and two other people working on the show. One who's his now wife, Jenny Kelly, and another man called yeah. Martin. And uh, they, because they were just delighted that there was a body there and a set of hands that could post prizes and make them tea and, you know, do jo- odd jobs, I... I Flew through the week there and I kind of just mentioned, oh, I'm around, I'm around next week if you want as well. And they were like, yes. And the following week I ended up working uh, on the Ian Dowsley Breakfast Show doing the exact same thing, posting prizes, making tea, um, you know, putting callers on air for competitions and whatever. And uh, at the end of the two weeks, they said to me, oh, you've done really well. We're going to keep your name on file, which I thought was complete horse poo. And they say that to everybody. But they did give me a call. They gave me a call, I think about four weeks later, and they said, look, we've got a lot of people taking holidays. Uh, could you do six weeks for us? And I didn't even ask if it was money. I mean, I was willing to go in work for free at the time, which, again, never do that. Never work for free. You'll never be out of a job if you work for free. <laughs> so I, um, I went in, and so that must have been, I think, May or June. I probably was May of 2002, and that has been my career into the FM. I never, I did one job interview in all my time into the FM from 2002 right. to today. And yeah, so it was a moment, it was timing, it was the right timing, it was speaking up at that moment. I could be an accountant talking to you today instead. Imagine, like you could, like one little pivotal moment that can change everything. It's amazing, isn't it? And like, I remember listening, like the dynamic, like you, you, you say you didn't do an interview, but you were probably doing an interview every day, do you know, with the chats with you and Jenny in the background and the kind of back and forth, with, you know, like you created something from you being there, you know, and that's what made it so special. Like it was, it was amazing radio. Like I loved listening to it, you know, it was just the, the naturalness and the authenticity between the three of you and it was just like you were pals, you know, but like, the, you yeah. know, yourself, a and lot we of work we still, we still are. We still are. I was texting Jenny last night. Um, but the it's kind of sad. And I've said this to Jenny recently when I met her for a socially distant walk. Um, I, I We were talking about the time, which we often do when we meet up. We still talk about the time of, or do you know who I met the other day? And they reminded me of the time of. And I think this is sad. I didn't, and she definitely didn't realise either at the time that it was as special as it was. It's like, I think sometimes you hear, you know, huge sports stars. They don't realise the joy they might have brought through a team win or a medal win until maybe years after they've retired. And like, we none of us have retired. But I did not realise that 
the show was such a big part of people's daily lives at that time. It just wasn't. It was just a job. We were going in every day. It was three hours of live radio, five days a week, 15 hours of live radio. The amount of content we would have had, there wasn't time to breathe sometimes. Um, and we would have had sm- a small team compared to some radio shows, you know, around the country yeah. have big radio teams. We just didn't have that. Um, and so despite the fact that we would have gotten very big, I was still doing all the same things that I would have been doing on the work experience. I was still making tea. So was Jenny. I was still posting prizes. So was Jenny. I, you know, it was every, we were all doing a bit of everything, you know, and, um, but I just didn't realize it was the kind of as magical as it was. Just didn't realize that at all. Like Donegal Callahan told me something recently on Ireland's Fittest Families and he used to say like they'd stay in the car sometimes after training if they'd like an early session training they'd yeah. stay in the car with whoever he'd gone to training with to listen to the rest of the show wow. in the car and like we, we would have had no idea that like our rugby heroes were tuned into us and I know that sounds enough <laughs> but like I'm kind of glad in a way like that we didn't know because I would have been in Egypt I probably would have been in Egypt but um Instead, we were just ourselves, yeah. Yeah, you, it probably was better, you know, because it would have changed it again, you know. It was the fact that it was just so down to earth and like the crack, you know, you, you just had great fun. And I, I think that's what kind of got people listening and kept us. We felt like we were part of of the gang, you know. It was that kind of feeling like. And the ordinary things you used to talk about, the, you know, the jewellery holder I remember one time me talking about a jewellery holder and like running up to get it you know you just felt like you could trust you or something it was just I know I was an influencer before yeah, influencers were. were even around I'm telling you sold yeah, out um, bras and sold out jewellery things but yeah no it's the, the start of the influencers there you go now Maraid I'm telling you yeah I know you. god where's my where are my millions now though I should have become one then <laughs> um, but yeah we'd know we'd no idea we'd no idea and and I think not to take it down and not to do a sad note, but we never really celebrated its success. And that's what I mean is the sad thing, is to take stock of, it was a huge success. Um, it was a brilliant time, but never took, we never, never really celebrated any of the big highs. Just never did. We were just always about tomorrow. It was always about tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. And on a Friday, it was all about Monday. So there was never... And that's why I think it's kind of like a sports team. Do you know? It's always like next campaign. Like it's, it was never, there was never any big, huge, massive celebration in all the years. There was one when the show turned 10 years old. That was one big night out. But like, that's kind of it. And I think it's important to celebrate your wins. Um, and knowing when they're there. I suppose we didn't even know they were there. That's probably the sad part. Well, you have your New Year's resolution to get more pictures of yourself up and now your other resolution can be to celebrate the wins and to make sure that you, you mark the moments. Oh, I do. I do now. I absolutely do now. Every Friday, I've just celebrated a week that I've gotten through it. <laughs> I've like, probably marked, I mark everything now. I've survived a week. Good woman. Good woman. Brilliant. Maureen, thanks so much for taking the time to talk us through the moments that made you. I'd say there's probably a million more, but I think we got four very special ones there. So thanks very much. Lovely talking to you, Esther. Lovely talking to you too. Thank you, Maureen. Thanks to Esther and, of course, to Maureen Ronan. Sound and editing are by JJ Vernon. We'll see you next time.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.